Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Equity of up to £150 million. Pounds. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 111. It is not going to be a fun one, but we are here to do it anyway. It is Wolverhampton Wanderers 1, Tottenham Hotspur 0. We'll throw it around the room here and say our hellos and then uh, try to, to, to sulk in the misery of this one. Uh, we'll start by throwing out to Scott. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's going on, mate? Chilling. Game day for Dynamo. It's all that matters now. All that matters now. Dynamo <laughs> play. So he can turn his attention there. Caroline's also with us. She is at CG Stefko. Kaz, what's up with you? Hey. I also can hardly wait for my local team to be back in action. Uh, but until then, I must suffer, as Conte would say. <laughs> the suffering is 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 wide and and uh yeah, it's it's not fun. Yeah. Shout out to to your San Antonio FC, the defending champions of the USL championship Woo-hoo. getting going. Uh Shuban is also with us. He is at the real Shuban. Shubs, what's going on, man? Be it my cheating Astros or Dynamo, I am back on the forever, forever orange train. Forever <laughs> orange. Go. There you go. There you go. Two pods in a row, Dynamo or uh, Astros have come up, Andrew. Let's just keep getting them some coverage. Let's go. Yeah, I don't. Otherwise, I don't chasing really Astros. Turn, chasing Astros. Yeah, I don't want to turn Astros. this into a Major League Baseball Houston Astros <laughs> podcast, and I don't think, I don't think that the Tottenham, the Tottenham Depot listeners uh, would like that either. Although after a game like today, maybe they would prefer anything else. Maybe we could talk fake spring training <laughs> games instead of uh, what seems like Great Britain is in his first. Yeah, sorry, but Great Britain is in its first ever World Baseball Classic, so it might not be. There might not be a better time to become a baseball pod after today. <sighs> You know what? Just just when we had something going too. You're right. And now and now you have me thinking, who who the hell else is in the World Baseball Classic? Do I need to be paying attention to this? <laughs> another time, another day, but not not today. Um guys, this one sucked. Um Spurs lose to Wolves in what I thought was just a really weird and very kind of wolvesy game. Uh this felt like Almost like every other loss to Wolves in the last handful of seasons that though, that that has been happening since Wolves returned to the Premier League. Um, the lineup, for one, let's start there. I think was interesting in that there was no Eric Dyer in this match. Uh, the back line was Cody Romero, Clement Longley, and Ben Davis, um, and then that kind of midfield involved Perisic and Poro on the wing back spots with Skip and Hoybier, and then a kind of return to normalcy in the front three with Sun, Kane, and Kulisevsky. Um, I was unaware before the match that for this coming Wednesday's Champions League tie, Eric Dyer is actually suspended. And then I found that out when it was pointed out to me uh, by a number of people on Twitter, noting that Eric Dyer is not only not starting this game, he will not be playing on Wednesday against AC Milan, um, which I think makes it a little all the more puzzling that they did it this way. But um, maybe it's just a way to get Eric Dyer even more time off of his legs, get him almost a, a full week and a half before his next game. Um, but Scott, what did you make of this lineup? I, I mean, look, we're going to look back in hindsight and say something else probably could have been done. But at the same time, I, I wasn't really that dissatisfied with this lineup. I thought there would be enough in this thing going forward, right? Yeah, I mean, my I agree. I mean, I think at, at the back, first of all, it's fair to say Dyer has – pseudo struggled as of late right he's made some some errors and some mistakes i i think he's played well at times too but every reason to think he needed a rest um and i think 
I think Longley was actually brought in to really be that second central center back as much as that second left center back. So I think that was fine. Um, my, my only concern with it was that it pushed Davies back to center back. And I am just like not, not digging anybody else at left wing back right now. Um, I haven't been too pleased with Yvonne Perry's history, unfortunately, as of late. So my concern was the left wing back position when I saw the lineup. But I think as far as the back three, I wasn't like concerned that we were going to lead goals or struggle. And all things considered, we really didn't, right? But they, it was just that that left wing back spot that I really didn't feel good about. And I questioned, I questioned Pedro Poro, but that's more of just like, me being a little bit unfair and needing to give give him a little bit more space to bet in and become the player we think he can be because he looked pretty good today. So Ooh, um, we're gonna we're gonna disagree there and we're gonna come on to more on Pedro Poro later. I've got a whole yeah. thing about Pedro Poro. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot to be desired, but as far as what we're asking of him, I think he looked a lot better today. Um, so I won't pick on him too much, but yeah, the left wing back spot again was was really what was concerning to me today. So Caroline, was there any worry for you in that left wing back spot? I mean, we saw we saw a little bit of Perisic, and I know we've been seeing Ben Davis out on the left, and that's been looking good. But I don't know. For me, I feel like Perisic, after getting a little bit of a rest, should be able to come in and do a job. And I didn't think he was horrendous by any stretch. I was kind of puzzled, though. We, we've talked a lot about uh, set pieces and corner takers. I was a little puzzled throughout the match as to why Hyungman Son was taking a lot of the corners, especially in the second half, instead of Ivan Perisic. Yeah, and I mean, talking about set pieces, some of the free kick decisions were also strange. Um, you know, I thought Poro, when he took that free kick, took it well, but I just had no idea he was even in consideration um, to be, you know, sort of a set piece taker for us. And then for him to then not get to have another chance at it when we got the second free kick, that was bizarre. But, uh, you know, Perisic, I think... It's starting to occur to me that he is maybe not a full 90 player anymore at this stage in his career, uh, which is unfortunate. But I think I would prefer at this point to see him as more of an impact sub. And, you know, I agree with Scott. I've liked seeing Davis at the left wing back spot. But because we have so little cover in other areas, you know, with the center backs in terms of actual quality, rotation options um i feel like davis kind of had to be in the center back role today and you know i think it was you andrew that suggested perhaps dyer sat this match out because conte was wanting to play the center back line that we were going to have for the champions league game and i don't necessarily hate that in theory but it kind of feels like all of our eggs have to be in the top four basket at this point. So for us to not play our strongest lineup for this game, which should have been a winnable game, is really perplexing to me. And just one of the many ways that like team selection, substitution strategy from Conte, it's it's just not adding up. And, you know, Stellini has been saying all the credit and all the blame, I guess, has to go to Conte. And the Premier League nominated Conte for manager of the month. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay it all on Conte. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, I mean, you're talking about rotation. And I do think that is something, especially when you bring up Perisic, that we maybe don't think about a lot. I agree. Maybe he's not a full 90 player anymore. But that also might be because he's played so many damn minutes this season. And he's, what, 35, 36 years old, something like that. Um you know, and and not only not only in the in the league, but he's he played a lot in the prim, in the World Cup rather. Um, I mean, I think I think the absence of Ryan Zesignan, however often we do see that and how common that has been, has really been felt just from a rotational standpoint. And I agree with you, like Ben Davis, you can't rely on him to to run up and down the pitch playing left wing back all the time. You need him to sit back and play center sometimes. Um, and same with you know, same with all these guys. I, the rotation part of it to me is. It's puzzling and it's it's hard to deal with, but I mean, I don't know. This game still, it, I, I feel like we come into a lot of these games, Shuban, and we feel like this should be enough, right? Like this should be, this lineup should be enough to go out and do a job against Wolves. And this just felt from, from not from an effort standpoint, because I do feel like there was effort, but it felt like from an execution standpoint, there just wasn't enough there, right? Well, I think that saying that this should be enough 
that mentality is probably why we're not getting it's not enough if that makes sense that's very fair that's very fair so it's do you know what we saw i think we are we, it's, it's it's crazy times it really is in this premier league with the world cup sandwich in the middle but it's we are seeing some really freakish performances i mean we was it last 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 weekend i was in new jersey and i saw us beat chelsea for the first time it seemed like absolutely ages and i thought okay we've turned we turned the corner we came out in the second half we showed energy and drive we showed imagination and I don't know, and then, then that that we had, we saw I saw some of that in the first half. I mean, we saw some you know good some good football, some not good football, but something. But it's as if in the second half we'd like shot a load of something because we'd obviously played it in the midweek, and then that maybe that affects our energy levels, and was adapted. But like I said, I look when you talked about the the lineup. Look at the players on that lineup. Look at who who the front three are. Look at Wolves now. Um, was it is it Costa Diego Costa? He's now 36, 37, and his body is probably held together with sticky tape, you know. Yeah, well, he, and, he, uh, he went off after he went off inside of 30 minutes. He's he's 34, whoa. by the way, and he went off inside of 30 minutes with an injury. And you're like, oh my gosh, Wolves are really up against it here. You're, you're totally right. Like, I, I respect Wolves and what they've done over the last handful of years. They've they've done a really good job of being kind of a a team that got promoted and was able to make it stick. Didn't they even make, I think they made uh, the Europa league their first season back in the premier league, or maybe it was their I second. I think season. they did. I think in the um, first season, they, they, they came in 2019, 2020. Yeah. yeah. They've been a pretty consistent, like decent mid table side since they returned to the premier league. And now this season, like many other teams, I mean, there are probably eight teams involved in this relegation heap um, and this scrap, but, but they're one of them. They're down there really currently only six points clear of the drop um the drop zone rather and that's you know that's after beating us today and getting three more points like that's that's kind of tough yeah well Chiba Chibon makes you know the point look at their look at our front three versus what we're up against and you know results but I think it, it's all about the wingbacks again you know we the, the the matches that we've looked really good in, Chelsea being one of them, it was Emerson and Davies, and um, everything good kind of came from from them, right? I think I think Skip and Hoybier were fine today, but I don't think they had had the wing back uh, pairings on either side that were required for us to just be a little bit more uh, efficient when it comes to progressing the ball and creating chances for ourselves. So let's know, hammer and, in on that. I, I think you're right because, I, like you mentioned, Poro earlier, you thought he played well. Tell me why you thought he played well because oh. I thought I thought he was actively awful in this game, and I want to I want to I want to hear about that. Well, I mean, I think I should say I think my direct quote was, or close to it, was that you know Poro didn't play great, but I don't want to pick on him too much because he showed me things that told me he needs time to bet in, blah blah blah. So I don't remember exactly what I said, but I really think more so my point was just that. He showed me that he's capable of things today, you know, and so I don't want to pick on him too much because I've been pretty harsh on the guys, all I meant by that. But I don't think he had, like, a great game by any means. I think if I look at Conte, the the the, the players right now that I think, and this is going to be crazy to say, but that I think he has converted into wingbacks better than anybody else are Steven Licksteiner and Emerson the way Emerson's playing and they're both, they're both fullbacks converted into wingbacks, right? Perisic sure is a winger converted to a wingback by Conte in Syria. Very different game. Um, I just, I'm not sold on these guys that, like I said, in the last show, Andrew are not quite good enough to be in Perisic isn't one of them because he was a great winger in his career, but these guys like Poro who are maybe not quite good enough to be wingers, but aren't defensive by any means, right? So, yeah, stick them at wingback with a good defender behind them, and they can get some balls in and shit, right? It's kind of like a Matt Doherty. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that we're ever going to be – this is my point here. I don't think we're ever going to be good enough because we rely so much on wingbacks. Like, just change the fucking system, dude, please. <laughs> yeah, but come on. For God's like, sakes. You're asking a dog to be a cat here, and that's just yeah, not... but but uh, not really. I mean, I'm just asking a dog to like chase a tennis ball instead of a, a a rope for a little while. Like, I don't know. 
Like, no, I, th- I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I think you're asking a dog to be a cat. We know that Antonio Conte has a system. We know that this is how he plays. We know he doesn't. Well, he's very capable of playing other games. systems. Like he was a very successful footballer and was really good under under a four two three one with Chelsea for like three quarters of the season that he won. So I just, I don't, I just don't understand why the dude just puts so much emphasis on our wingbacks who just are never fucking good enough. Well, and I just think that this system is asking some of these players who are cats to be dogs. And, you know, Parasic is a great example of someone who we can see is, you know, winding down in his career fitness wise. Why are we playing him as a wing back when we know that he can be effective as a winger and that's not going to put as much strain on him? I think there's just been a lot of examples across the lineup of Conte not managing the player's load across the season. And so now we're in this position of, you know, we, we kind of have to make this final push. And I don't know if the energy is there for a lot of these players. Yeah. No, so I think it's a great I, point. I mean, I agree with Scott. We've got we've to gotta try something new because the system is not working. I, I Well said. And I, I think, you know, if I could – I'm trying to, to not just say, like, change the system, Conte, your job, because I do have a habit of saying, like, not my fucking problem, good thing, right? But – I think what I look at our team, right? And I'm looking at what we have that's very talented. We've got a world-class player in Harry Kane that can really just go play soccer. You can just tell him tell him to go play soccer. It's fine. So good. We've got a world-class finisher in Hyungman Sun who needs to be on the end of plays, right? We've got Kulisevsky who's extremely dynamic. Then I look at our midfield. We've got four guys and maybe Saar as well, who are incredible ball winners. Like, they they are suffocating ball winners, all four of them. Skip, Hoybier, Benteker, Basuma. They will suffocate you and they win the ball back, right? We have good fullbacks who can get forward when required, but are good defenders. And I'm talking about Emerson. I'm talking about Davies, um, Sessegnon even, right? So we have everything required other than maybe this one center back to play a high-pressing, high-octane style of play that puts the ball at Kane's feet a lot more than what we play now. Those those midfielders that I've listed can sit right in front of the back line and just win the ball back over and over and over. Like, we, we have a lot we can do with the talent that we have, and we're just – like, I think what frustrates me so much is I look at our talent and the one area where we lack it is the form is the system that we decide to put the most emphasis on like why you have to and i've i've been so hesitant to like have this conversation on on a podcast because it's antonio conte and i've literally managed like u13 teams right and he manages tottenham hotspur but you what i just don't understand a world where you put the the most where you play a formation that requires the most out of your least talented players it just doesn't make sense. And you're wasting players like Harry Kane who need the ball at their feet more. You're wasting players like Youngman Son who can play at the top of, of an attack behind, with Harry Kane behind him. You're wasting these midfielders who can, for, first of all, outrun everybody and, again, win the ball back over and over and over. It just doesn't make any sense to me, and I'm just really fucking tired of it, if I'm honest. I don't even care about the results anymore. I'm just, like, sick and fucking tired of the shit tactics that I see every single time we lose, and it's just whatever. Again, I've been hesitant to come off like this because I can't pretend to know more than Conte, so it sounds silly, but, like, the tactics are just fucking off all the time. I I only laugh because you say that you don't care about the results all the time, and it's... it's, I'm just saying they're not bothering me. That's what I mean. No, and nor should... not bothering me. Look, it's more I, that we're not surprised by them. Exactly. Yeah, I, think, I think that's, I think of that's, of course, I want to win, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not sitting here ranting because we lost. I'm sitting here just fucking tired of like the misuse of, our, of, of, of our tactics and our talent, right? We're not super talented. I'm not saying that either. We have a lot of gaps, but it just doesn't, it doesn't add up to me anymore. Look, I've, 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 I said when we hired Antonio Conte, I said, look, if you're going to play a back three, you need to have more than one good center back. And we all know my hesitancy to even call Christian Romero a good center back at times because of his ability to go in rashly on a challenge and pick up bookings and, and those kinds of things. I mean, I, I, I almost solely put the Leicester loss a few weeks ago on Christian Romero for getting booked 
the week before and not being able to participate. Um, I think that was a massive, massive miss for them against Leicester in the four, one defeat. But I, I, we knew this, we knew this coming in. Like we knew this when we hired Conte that we were going to be playing a back three. Why are we still a team that, and this is a obviously much more of a macro question, but why are we a team that has one really solid option? And I would say Ben Davis is a okay, fine option at the left center back spot, but he's not, as much as I love Ben Davis, he's not a world beater there by any stretch. Eric Dyer has not been good enough. Clement Longley was plan C after plans A and B failed, and they brought him in on loan, and I would be baffled if he's around after this season. Uh, you, you're you're too hesitant to play Jaffa Tanganga in a spot unless you absolutely need him, like in that game against Leicester. And Davinson Sanchez proves what he is every time. He's an athletic, talented player who just doesn't have it. He does not have the head on his shoulders to do it at this level on a consistent basis. Otherwise, we would have been talking Wednesday about our dominant victory against Sheffield United. But instead, things look shaky whenever he's in the back line. So Andrew, you're, you're, right, you're right to that point. It's in the report. Transfer errors have been made. But instead of getting out ahead of these and actually making the investments, we haven't been. But here's the thing, though. If you look at the signs we've made, everyone before January was like, sign Poro, sign Poro, sign Poro. So we, so we did sign Pedro Poro. We had no qualms about signing um, Perisic because we thought, okay, he's 32. But, you know, he looks to be in very good physical shape. But how, how good a shape he will be in this incredibly physical league with the World yeah. Cup in the middle. And let's not, let's not forget, Croatia got to the, the semifinals. Of, uh, the, of the so that's that's going to put so much strain on, on anyone. It's a body. lot of minutes. It's a, it's a lot of minutes on a thirty. What did I say earlier? I I, I had to look it up. Wing too, so Thirty-four year old, like crazy. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. So yeah, but, and look, here's yeah. the thing I'll say about about uh, Ivan Perisic. I, I don't really. He's a veteran that they brought in for some depth and a presence to hopefully guide Ryan Sessegnon along. I don't blame. Ivan Perisic for any of his shortcomings that he may have as a 34 year old who was brought in in the spot that he is. I actually think Perisic has done a fine job for what he was brought in to do this season. When you look at the overall picture, but to your point about Pedro Puro, I, I know that it is way too early to judge this guy, but my goodness, I have not seen a damn the, the free kick. I'll give you that the free kick. He hits the crossbar today. One of what felt like 12 crossbars we hit. I think it was only two or three. But I think we hit the post two or three times today, and his free kick was one of them, and it was great, and it was a great look, and it was it surprised me too. That's the only thing I've seen from this guy thus far that has been remotely capable at this level. I don't know if the step from playing in, in, in the Portuguese league to the Premier League is that massive of a gap. I obviously think there's a, a big gap, but he's proving that it is maybe bigger than anyone even imagined because he is not only struggling to, to, to be on the ball and to produce good crosses and good chances from an offensive standpoint. But he is, I was told, and I think I might've even said this Wednesday when Scott and I potted after the champions league game, he was kind of touted as a zero defensively. Like he's all gas, no breaks going forward. He is way less than a zero defensively. That guy can't do diddly who defensively. And it is, that is not how you play in a Conte system. You have to have some kind of defensive capability as a wingback, if you're going to be in this system. And it's baffling to me. Well, again, playing players where perhaps it's, they're not best suited. And I think, you know, with Poro, not only is he having to deal with the expectations of fans, you know, coming into a new team, he's also having to deal with the very, shall we say, strict expectations of a manager like Conte. And I think you see it not just in Poro, but even across the players who have been in our squad for ages. None of them seem like they're playing with freedom and confidence right now. It feels like everyone is playing on eggshells. And so, you know, I think I definitely agree that there have been so many like tactical decisions that Conte has gotten wrong. But there's also this problem of what's happening behind the scenes in the dressing room and just the mentality right now, I think is just horrible. I also want to touch on that though, too, Caroline, you say that like, they look like they're playing like they're on eggshells and that's been the case for the last two matches, but the two prior to that, they were playing a much more forward pressing freestyle when it was West Ham and Chelsea and granted, you can talk about the opposition all you want, but those are two tough Derby matches where they went for it. And then, 
on the on the road against Sheffield United in a cup at midweek, and then here today at the Molyneux against a, a Wolves team that's also scrapping. They don't look like they do. I agree with you. They do look like they're walking on eggshells. And all of this to be said, it's the wingback. Well, I think it's just the subtle changes in the lineups. You know, we saw back to back. You know, the same lineup for West Ham and Chelsea. And then these last two games, we've had quite a few changes. And I think it really has made a lot of difference in the depth. how or, or yeah, the depth, but also just the players feeling of, do we have the team to actually play on the front foot and take the game to our opponent? And in these past two games, it feels like we've, we've been holding something back, which we shouldn't well, be against teams like Sheffield United and um, Wolves. Yeah, and again, I don't mean to just be like it's this simple, but it's it's the wingbacks. It's Emerson and it's Davies that started both of those games, West Ham and Chelsea, and they both came up for man of the match at the end of the game. Like if your wingbacks are up for man of the match in the Conte system, you probably had played a really good match, right? And I know it's so easy to be like it's the wingbacks, but it's Emerson and Davies in both of those scenarios for me, 100%. So, Shuban, before, before I get to you, let, let me ask you this, Scott. For Wednesday night in the Champions League against Milan, you need to you need to overturn a one nil deficit. Now, are you going with the back three that you had today, or are you pushing Davis up to left wing back? And then who are you playing at center back because you don't have Dyer as an option? Me personally, I'm not playing a back three, but we know that's well, going to happen. So let me let me answer your question. <laughs> yes. I what do you I, what would you do in this system? Is my question. I think that you probably have to go with Perisic, unfortunately, and that's just because his experience can give him an edge against bringing Sanchez in. I would take Paris to a massive amount of experience and huge matches over Sanchez playing in the biggest match of the season for us thus far. So it's so not ideal. Sanchez or Tanganga to come in. No, and fuck no. Job at center back. Sorry to both of them. I'm, I would love to meet up with them and, and have a cup of coffee and, and I'm sure they're lovely dudes, but like, no, Fair. they're not, oh, they sure. cannot play. And I, it, it has to be, Langley, who Langley didn't look too bad at, in the middle. I think he could have been better. I'm struggling, but I'm struggling with Langley right, right now. I mean, I he looked better than the only issue with when Langley is in the middle is that it seems like we the organization just falls apart. I think Dyer has Dyer many does. faults, but he does yeah. organize his defensive line very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. yeah, it's just the execution. I'm sorry, Shuban, you, you had a point you wanted to make, and I, I, I derailed us, well, but go ahead. I want to I want to let you get in here. Well, what I wanted to say was, and this is actually Scott, I don't know if Scott remembers this. I think what it is mentality. When we go when we go in the lead, we suddenly seem to have a burst of confidence, as if we're superhuman. It's like we've eaten our spinach or something. But, and the thing is though, you need that mentality, that self belief, even if you're not one nil up or two nil up. Because I remember I did, so I did a pod with um, Scotty ages ago, and it's about having that inner, inner confidence that you get without the goals. It's like he has his look. You, sh- you shouldn't need that confidence that comes either winning or from winning. You should always have that confidence no matter what. But it seems as if we need to get a goal in front, and then it's something like we seem to be liberated. And they're like, yeah, oh my God, we can do this. And it's like you should already know that you can do this. You have Harry Kane there. You have Hong Min Son there. You have decent defenders. You've got decent midfielders there. You shouldn't need to have go go up one goal and and play as if you have belief. You should always be going out and playing as if you have belief. And I feel that is on the manager. That is on the managers because sometimes I've had self-doubt. I've gone into matches and I'm like really struggling. And sometimes somebody will take me aside and say, look, Let's, let's take let's take our time. Let's do this and talk that through. That whatever you call game psychology or whatever. And I don't know whatever reason it's not working because we because I'm not, the best way to describe it. I when I was on, I saw a little skip. You know, he scored that goal and then suddenly he turned into like a Dembele. He was like doing Dembele pirouettes. I'm like, wait a minute! I didn't know you could do this. And as if he didn't know yeah, you could yeah. do it because he was no, charged with this incredible belief. And the thing is, we need to send players out there. They need to be believing this stuff because if you can't believe, it's it's like this: if you cannot believe you you are the best. You you are going to beat the shit out of that opposition. Beyond tactics, beyond setup, selection, that belief isn't there. And the more and more the game wears on, the more that self belief erodes. And then literally, they're already. I mean, sometimes they, 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 you end up beating yourself because you don't have that belief. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a, a performance coach. That's not my job. 
but that is the job of the coaching staff and they need to address that. And I don't know why they're not addressing it. You know, Siobhan, you bring up a really good point. I think I remember that that show we did. It was after we got beat by Juventus in a matter of like four minutes in the Champions League knockout. Bang, bang goals. And we were we were hurting. But I, I think I look at I, I look at the amount of times we've missed in the transfer market. Right. This this sports psychology piece is such an interesting thing. It's anyone who's played sports knows it's more than 50% of, of any, anyone performing, right? The, anyone who's like a world-class athlete is like, it's 95% because they're just immense in this category. Right. And they work hard or whatever. It's, it's, it's such a big thing. I, we miss on that a lot. I think we often buy these talented players, bring them in these talented players. And as soon as the, the, they face adversity or the chips are down, they just kind of crumble. Right. And so I kind of wonder Okay, are we are are we not implementing this piece of our uh, of like, you know, importance into our scouting when we're when we're deciding who we bring in? And then I think about the fact, well, we know for a fact that Daniel Levy, because he turns over his director of scouting like crazy, is involved in in the practice of who we bring in, and he is someone who lives in data, right? And so I'm just kind of suspicious. Like, do do we act on data so much that we're like missing? on what really you need like high EQ to, to, to learn about someone, whether or not they have that like sports psychology piece. And I think we brought in the sports psychologist in the last couple of years, if I'm not mistaken, actually, who's supposed to be pretty talented, but we, we as a club seem to seem to miss on that piece quite a bit. And I do think it shows like there's this whole Spursy thing and I fucking hate the word and I don't Dr. Tottenham, all that bullshit. You won't hear me use it, but I'm making reference to the point here, which is that, we do kind of like show elements of, of just an inability to stay, stay firm and strong through adversity. Right. And that's not like some witchcraft, some like weird fucking coincidence, whatever you want to say. Right. It's just, there is a reason for that. And I wonder if it's that we just don't have enough of an emphasis on the sports psychology side of things. So I think that mindset gets emphasized after losses like this one or consecutive losses, like the, like the last two, I think that if you would have, been talking to in this way a week ago you know we were we were i don't want to say flying high but we were on the verge of flying high feeling really confident about the way that the team was playing and i again the weirdest part to all of this to me and i hear you guys talking about mentality and management and systems and tactics the weirdest part of all of us all of this is that antonio conte has not been around for all of this i mean we keep referencing conte system and conte that and i know that he's his presence is still there um, and he's still, you know, doing a lot of the match day planning and tactics and all of that just from afar. But Antonio Conte is coming back now. And I'm really interested to see what the whole dynamic is going to end up being. And honestly, I mean, there's talk like how much longer he's going to be back for. Because at this point, if this snowball starts to roll down this hill and the the words like Spurs, you start getting tossed around. I, I think that's a self-fulfilling prophecy to, to to a lot of uh points. I mean, I saw the internet today, which like that's partially that's my fault. You should never look at the internet, by the way. Like just as a as a as a as a you know advice to everyone, don't go on the internet. But after the match, I, I looked at the internet today and I saw people saying just what a shit season this has been, and they're ready for it to be over. And I mean, yeah, Spurs suffered a pretty shitty loss on the on, on the road to Wolves. You know what else Spurs are? They're currently fourth, four points clear of Newcastle, who I know have two games in hand. And I know Newcastle lost this morning, and it would have been really nice to to stretch that lead to seven and take control of your own top four destiny. All of that would have been great. But guess what? They didn't do it, and we go again. Like the Spurs. Yeah, are but people are just hurting because we got knocked out of the FA Cup, and like no question. You know, but- you know very well I'm not one of them, but like people are like screaming for a trophy and 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 I'm not telling everyone to not be upset. Like I was pissed off. You and I potted Scotty on Wednesday night after that match, and you and I, I was you you joked that you were surprised that I was as pissed as I was and and upset mm-hmm. about it as I was. And honestly, I was surprised at how pissed and upset I was. But I don't, and I don't blame people for any of that. But to say the season is over, I mean. We were in this almost exact same spot a season ago. In fact, we were in worse position, a worse spot, and we still were able to get to top four. 
Now, I also know that a lot of people are going to say, well, top four shouldn't be something that's celebrated. Top four shouldn't be the goal. Well, guess what? This season it is. Like, we've gotten to March. We've gotten through the first clusterfuck of part of a season. We've gotten through a World Cup. We're almost, you know, halfway through the second part of this clusterfuck of the season. And this is what's in front of us. We've got a Champions League tie on Wednesday to try and overturn at home, 1-0 down. If we can do that, great. It would be really cool to make the quarterfinals of the Champions League and get past AC Milan. If it doesn't happen, guess what's still out there? Top four is still out there. And even after a loss like today, I don't know. I just It pisses me off when I see people say the season is done and it's been a horrible season. There are still things out there to play for and still things to accomplish. So, uh, Jim, I said to you when we are doing the pod, I said, you know what? Maybe we can recycle one of last year's pods. Yeah. And then just substitute one game because that's what it feels like. It does feel like a crazy loop of the same thing. If you look at say Liverpool, they they've gone from a season where they were last year they were chase neck and neck with City for the league. Now they're like, oh my god, are we going to even make the Europa Conference? It's just been ridiculous how this season. Well, you know out. what? Shimon? It's funny though. If you would have asked Liverpool fans a month, month and a half ago how they were feeling about their season, they would have felt pretty shitty. And now where they are now. They're six points behind us for fourth for fourth place and for, for, for a Champions League spot. So they're not out of it at all. And I mentioned Newcastle and having to worry about Newcastle in fifth. Guess who else is in the rearview mirror? Fucking Liverpool. And their fans were honestly, you know, they were they were stabbing their Jurgen Klopp voodoo dolls a month and a half ago and ago, like wanting the guy out. And all of a sudden, they have a new goal, they have a new level of expectation. And I get that it's shitty that every season. Tottenham Hotspur fans come into the year and they think, let's go win a trophy and get top four. And when one of those things gets taken away, it feels really shitty and it feels really bad. But one of those things is still in play. It's still very much in play. And I, I don't think that's anything to shake a stick at. I'm tired of the woe is me. We, ha- we, ha- we can't keep resetting our expectations. Sometimes your expectations are what they are. Your, your, your ceiling is where it is. You can't bust through that ceiling in the micro, in the macro, maybe you can. Maybe going into next season, we can have bigger aspirations of top four. But right now, we've got a Champions League tie and top four to play for, and that's what we've got. The only thing I'll say is that I think the big difference between Spurs fans and Liverpool fans is that, you know, when Liverpool gets their act together, they play really attractive, exciting football. And a lot of the times, we just don't. And, you know, I, I've been really resistant to getting into this mindset of wanting Conte out because in, in general, in soccer, I think it is better to give a manager time. I'm usually not the one to be advocating for sacking a manager when they haven't been around for very long. But to me, it's like the underlying problems. There's become such a clear pattern that I can't ignore it anymore. And... I'm just at the point where I would rather us rip off the Band-Aid now and get in a new direction. Of course, that is if there is a manager available who's going to do the opposite of what Conte has been doing. Well, we, we, and I'm not like, sure if that's true or not. I don't know. Let's not call a spade a spade here. We know there is a manager available who would take the job, who is very different from Antonio Conte. He does live in, in North London currently. Um, he just, he just celebrated a birthday. He lives in Hartford, in North London. I mean, listen, close enough. But those are my feelings. Yeah. It's it's yeah, not on, just Shibon. about don't, don't give us a geography lesson here. We're 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 in our feelings. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not just about results, though, is my point. And it's not well, about let's what be are honest. goals for the season. It's about how you feel when you're watching your team, too. I look, I don't I don't I don't discredit that whatsoever. And I totally I totally feel you and agree with you. It it, it sucks to watch this. But from a results standpoint, that's where I'm coming from. It's like, no, yeah. the season is not over. There are still, uh, I'll do the quick math here. We've played 26. We know we, we will play 38. So what is that? 12 matches? Is my, is that math correct? Uh, no. Maybe, but, it, is, maybe but, it isn't. But like, there's still time here to, to, to do a damn something. Yeah, no, I hear you on all this. And I think I'm not even in the camp of pushback, but I do feel like fans are owed a little bit of pushback on that. And I think when I say this, I have to be careful because in no way, shape or form am I like comparing any two people's amount of years supporting Spurs. But I look at like from the first year we qualified for Champions League in what, 13, 14 or yeah, it would have been 13, 14. We've really been there ever since. Right. So that's seven, eight seasons. And 
me personally for seven, eight seasons have sat and had these conversations and for probably four or five of them, six of them, I've just said over and over, like we're improving. This is part of the process. If we can just snag top four, I know we got knocked out of the FA cup by a really shit team. I know it hurts, but like, if we can just continue to, to, to go down this road of improvement, it, like we'll get there and like, we're not getting there and it's not getting better. And so that's why people are frustrated more than anything. And that's why people are saying I'm sick and fucking tired of just trying to get top four. And then just like nothing else. Like that's very sustainable for the club for sure. But I totally understand why people are sick of it because for eight years they've been promised next year is the year next year's year like i personally can't sit here and say next year's year i'm not gonna do it anymore like because i just don't actually believe that anymore so i mean um, i'm glad to hear that i'm glad i I am because it is like i i do think there's something to this when it comes to this team under pochettino almost you know almost won the league and almost won the champions league and came so close in in cup in in domestic cup final like there were so many chances and since Pochettino has left it's felt further away and there it's felt like we're still rebuilding it's felt like this long project is still ongoing and that's super frustrating because it's been since I mean what are we talking late 2019 that he was that he was canned and that's that's we're going on three and a half years of this stuff now well and like you said a minute ago Andrew there's always you know the belief that next season we'll get to go again. But my personal belief is that if Conte stays, the cups are not a priority. Like we know they're not. So it's basically You're right. it's title or bust <laughs> and it's well, probably not going to be the title. So like, what, what are we playing for? And look, when it comes to Conte specifically, let's hammer down on that now, because like after this loss, the, the, the reports and the rumors and the, you know, anonymous sources and all of that are out in full force. And everyone thinks Antonio Conte is going to be sacked. I've been firmly in the camp that this club is not sacking Antonio Conte. They are going to let this contract play itself out to the end of the season. And they're going to let Conte make the decision. I think we've all, I think it's been well-documented the the year from hell that Antonio Conte has had both personally and professionally, um, he's not having the amount of success professionally that he, he is accustomed to, and he's lost dear friends. He's had health issues. He's been away from his family. There's been a lot of the personal. So I think it's up to him. And I, I, I think it's always really been up to him. I think the club would love to have him back next season. I don't think he's going to end up coming back next season. I, I think that this is all going to be a lot for him. And I think this thing will work itself out. Now, is it frustrating to have to, wait and kind of play the string out, especially when you have a director of football who may or may not be in some kind of legal jeopardy, especially when you have a board where there's rumors of sales and, and, and things every other week, there's, there's a new rumor. I mean, all of that kind of stuff builds and builds and leaves you with this feeling of, is anybody looking out for us? Is anybody else looking, is anybody looking for the future and the the continued progress and growth and building of this football club, not this footballing enterprise and organization <laughs> from a money-making standpoint, because we know that that's being looked out for, but is anyone else looking out for the care of the football club itself on the field results? And right now it feels a little bit like everyone's just in limbo on that. And nobody really knows what the fuck's happening. We're just coasting, you know, it sucks. Yeah. Coasting sucks. Yeah. Coasting sucks. We would like to have a foot either on the on the, on the accelerator or on the brake even, but coasting Dude. sucks. I just I just remember when Martin O'Neill, I think he left. Can't believe it was he left at the time, but he left the club he was at because his wife needed care, and he needed to take care of his family. And I just think you're right. The way things are going, so many things are in limbo. We don't have a strategy. Conte is a huge part of the equation. I wouldn't be surprised. He thought, you know what? Screw it. He's independently wealthy now that he'll never have to. He, he doesn't have to coach for money. It's not like you and I, we all have to make it work to make a living. He's independently wealthy. He never has to do this to make a job. And if his passion's not there, I think part of it, I think we saw last season, when he's on it, that passion's there and it's overflowing. It's, it's honestly, it's, 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 it's a joy to watch. 
Yeah, the man almost jacked Thomas Tuchel earlier this year. Like we saw that passion. Uh, oh, it, it, it was. It, it, I like to think it was a strictly come dancing thing. It was weird. The weird little tango they had, but um, it was just I don't know. But I think this season, like I said that this this Anis Horribilis that he's had, I think it will cause anyone to take stock. And yeah. so I definitely do. I definitely don't disagree with you on the fact that. Especially when you're away from your family, you haven't. I mean, to be fair, I think Jason Mourinho had the same problem when he was at United. He was living out of a hotel. He would, I think, he would. Obviously, it was easy for him to come down to, to London because that's where his family was living. But he was still struggling, and I think this is a, especially with everything we've had over COVID and everything else. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I don't know how many Rupert's has it been now this year because I've lost count in the last twenty years. They've rebooted it God knows how many times. First, it was after Glenn Hoddle left. They did a massive reboot. Then it was Frank Arneson. They did a massive reboot. Then Camoli, and that was a reboot. Then we've had so many reboots here because I honestly do this, and I'm not having a go at um, Enoch for this. They they have looked at, they bought the club for, say, 100 million. The club is worth 10 times that, if not 20 times that. And that is credit to their success. To, to, to make, to manage commercial organization and to increase its profitability and its growth mm -hmm. is remarkable but to do it in a football term i mean i i mean again i'm not a baseball person but i watched a bit of that was it moneyball the billy bean guy now, yeah. i don't know what happened i, I, I didn't watch the event i didn't watch the event of it because i thought it was a very boring film but i don't understand it like i don't understand it but what i'm saying is though it's having someone who's there who's willing to make those those bold choices if you look at say brighton They've been making bold choices for absolutely ages, and it's worked for the moment. It works until it what doesn't. Look at Potter; he's he's left. It hasn't worked for him, and it's not working for Chelsea. So maybe he's not the worst. But who knows? Maybe it could be Deserby could be the guy because it could be for this year. But people say let's let's hire Deserby. Like no, you can't just keep doing this. You have to have an identity. We spoke about that in twenty twenty one or something when we fired Mourinho. We ended up hiring Nuno, and then we ended up. We don't have like we don't know who we are on the pitch. We have an identity that literally stems from literally from the youth all the way up to the, the academy level. Because I've watched the some of the academy football. How many times do you see them play a back five? I mean, you guys, you know, I, I, I haven't I, I've rarely seen that do us do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what's yeah. The, so what's the point? What is the point of us playing a back five at um uh, pre, at Premier League level if you're not going to play that? throughout all the levels we have. Well, and you know what, Chuban, that's really telling because that tells you about the long term and the future. Exactly. Is, well, is, is, are they even thinking, well, it doesn't matter, Conte won't be here next season. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I know that I'm not putting like faith and whatnot in the aggregators and like putting them up and, and shining light on them or whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised if Conte is sacked. And I think I maybe a bit of a hot take for for entertainment's sake, right? And if it hits, great. If not, whatever. But I wouldn't be surprised if Conte sacked. And I think you talk about identity. Great point. You hire Potts, you have identity in about forty eight hours overnight, right? Especially with the core core group of players that we have. Romero, very important. He's Argentine, as is Pochettino. I hadn't um, heard that. Thank you for that information. Right. Thank you. So <laughs> I, I'm just kind of map, walking through all these reasons why Pochettino makes sense. I I think I look at Wednesday night against Milan stadiums sold out, not an empty seat without question if Pochettino is managing the team. Um, and I think we beat the shit out of Milan. What happens after that? I don't know. We can even look at Stellini and the couple matches he was so great in. I talk about the fullbacks like maybe a little bit of a bounce too, right? That's like kind of worn out. It's welcome too. So those kind of things are real. I think you get more of a, a long-term bounce from Pochettino. That's certainly not my point, but um, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens because I know, I know we want to say things like we can't win the champions league and I don't disagree, but we got to the final with a really shitty team that has less talent than this one um and anything can happen right and i think if you bring pochettino back you have a hell of a shot hell of a better shot at going deep than you do with Conte. so so here's the thing though 
I mean, you're talking about maybe bringing Pochettino back, and that's well, I don't know that I'm fully. That's what you have to do if you sack Conte. I mean, there's no other option unless you want to give it to Mason. But like, if you're going to sack Conte and then hire Desarby overnight, like that doesn't do us any good. The the rest of the season just, which that would never happen. I know Shub Shub looks at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Brighton would never allow that to happen. Just my point is that that would solve nothing, right? So if you're going to sack Conte, it's only to bring in Poch, right? Um, and I do want to point out that Conte is world-class wins. So is Pochettino. I mean, he just came from PSG, who they no one invests more in winning, right? So he's capable. Um, and I again, my, really my point is that you don't, you don't sack Conte unless you're bringing in Poch. There's no other reason to do that. I, I think it's interesting, though, what you bring up in terms of Pochettino would be able to come in here and with some of like reinvigorate the squad. Well, that's because some members of the squad are the same ones that were here when he was here and when he was totally. here from the jump. And I'm not saying that means you've got to, you know, be pissed off that they haven't refreshed in certain spots like Harry Kane and Youngman's son. But like we're talking about, you know, Davidson Sanchez and Eric Dyer and Lucas Mora. And, you know, Ben Davis, like there's so many names still left over from when he was here. So, yeah, of course he would be able to integrate. He he's been gone long, but not long enough for us to even fully like have a new squad. Still half his team, dude. And, like, well, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. and it's not like all of those guys started or even played in the Champions League final, but some of them certainly did. And the other big part of this is that there are so many players that were brought in that summer after the Champions League final ahead of when Pochettino was sacked, like Ndombele and Lacelso, that are still on the books as well that weren't working in that fall of 2019 right before he was canned and we brought in Mourinho. So it's like the 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 churn has still not fully churned. Like we're mm-hmm. not, you know, it's it hasn't it hasn't gotten all of the um excrement if you will out like i'm not calling the players excrement but you know what i'm saying like like this has not gone well with the players here and it and some of them were still here under pochettino like we want to just bring we just run this back and you're saying like yeah he brings winning well he actually didn't bring winning he didn't bring any winning to tottenham hotspur but he he did so much more than anyone would ever have expected him to. Like no question, that's, that's the that's what's important here. And, and he brought and belief, exactly yeah. cohesion, belief pride back to the club. Pride, yeah, yeah that's a good one. Well, and and look, I'm not dismissing any of that. All of that is very important, and all of that. There's definitely been a feeling lost in this club since Pochettino left. Don't get me wrong, but I. I think there's more also. I think there's more to, to, to be done. And I'm like I said, I'm very – I'm kind of just resigned to the fact that Conte is going to be here through the end of the season anyway. I, I disagree with you there, Scott. I just don't think they're going to fire him. Um, but I, if if Pochettino comes back, I'm very 50-50 on it. I just I, – I, I would like the feeling – but I don't know that the feeling is going to translate into the results that are really desired. I feel like it, I feel like it feels like more of a redux than, than anything. Well, I think we just have to acknowledge that bringing Pochettino back is not the fix it on its own. Like there still has to be changes from the way the board has done transfer business, you know, everything you know behind the scenes that's supposed to help him be successful needs to be done differently the second time around and there's no guarantee that would happen so you're right like it is a 50 50 thing i just personally can't stand the direction that we're going and are going to continue to go under conte so yeah i just want to ask kind of because kaz supports another spurs team which has had a very long-standing coach i forgot his name but you know i know you mentioned him but what I'm saying is, I know that they're two very, very, very different sports. Obviously, you have draft picks and everything else. But wait, but before you I'm go any further, say, before before you go any further, Shubhan, for those who don't know, let's not talk around it. You're talking about Greg Popovich, the head coach of the NBA's. San I forgot his name. I forgot his name. The best no, coach no, you're fine. I just want to make sure everyone knows before you make your point who you're talking about, so that they don't get lost in the shuffle. Because we do have listeners put some, put some from over in your neck, from over in your neck of the woods that uh, that won't know what you're talking about. So. Oh, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, but what I'm saying is the longevity that he's had 
I'm sure they've had up and downs, but he's marked an identity with his organization and everything is done to feed into that organization. Right, and then not just not just off the court, but on the court as well. For whatever reason, we keep changing our identity. We do this, we do that. We're not having a consistent identity. And so I'm just asking, because Caroline will know a lot better than I will. Do you Is your identity, although your players come and go, come and go, come and go, do you play to an identity? Is that something you've had? And is that the reason why, whatever his name is, is still there so long? Because you were able to continue. Even if you haven't won for ages because of LeBron and I have no idea who else. But I'm just saying, is that the reason why he's been there so long? Because he has, not only does he have the fans brought into his identity, he has his board also brought into his identity. And that's what we need on all levels. Yeah, I think he's been there so long because he's earned it. He has the respect of everyone, not only within the organization, but also across the league. He's also coached Team USA, you know. But obviously, it's a very down season, actually just a few seasons for the Spurs. And I think that has come down because of uh, errors in recruitment. <laughs> so it, it's not dissimilar from, you know, Tottenham with these transfer mistakes. We brought in Kawhi Leonard, who basically abandoned the team. And I'm not going to mince words because I hate him now. Um, and it just, it completely derailed the entire like project that the Spurs were trying to build under him. And we've also seen really important coaches leave. Like our, our shot coach, Chip England, was a huge part of our success. He's gone. You know, it's there's been some changes in, in so, the back room too. So what, what so it comes down one, to is one. it takes it takes players. I mean, the Spurs have not won the the, the the San Antonio Spurs have not won an NBA championship without the Since likes of David Robinson. Yeah, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. Like it takes really good Hall of Fame level players. But it also takes just, I think the thing that the Spurs did really well under that sort of dynasty era was recruiting role players who fit the culture of the team, who had complete buy in. Like you need to have that too, not just the superstars. I, I don't think there's any question about that, but 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 in in it's also like you said, Shivan, it's two very different sports. You're talking about five players on a, on a on a basketball court very at one time. Yeah, no, I don't mind I don't mind the comparison yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't mind the comparison yeah. at all. I just I do think yeah. culture has a lot to do with it, but also you need David Robinson and Tim Duncan and, and and Hall of Fame Hall of Fame caliber players to to do Hall of Fame caliber winning. Um well, and, 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 I, and look and look to the point, Spurs have a couple of outstanding like they have Harry Kane. They but have they're not Kenman being Stone. utilized to their best. Yeah, advantage. it would be like it would be like if Greg Popovich <laughs> was playing David Robinson at point guard right now. Yes, exactly. Um, well, which and, again, and I, I know think... Shuban is just gonna shrug at, but 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 some people will get that reference. <laughs> That would be um, hilarious. <laughs> well, I think a, a big piece of this is we 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 all know we had a very firm identity, right? I think everybody from the the newest fan up through very credible media sources thought Pochettino would be at the club for like a decade or longer. I like people were like new Sir Alex. I was thinking like this 10, 15, 20 years type of deal, right? I think a lot of people were he he was sacked. He didn't want to leave. We know this very, very uh, objectively. But I look at Levy and I think, I think about the decision he made. He has to know that it probably wasn't the right one. I, I understand at the time. I'll, I will not forget the stat. We had taken eleven of thirty-three available points. Right, we were we were in trouble in the league. It didn't look great. But these projects and these long-term appointments, they have those dips, right? Sir Alex was almost relegated the year before he won the, his first title, right? These things happen, and, and it's part of the process. Look at look at Arsenal, right? They've struggled, struggled, struggled. They're in a good position right now. Chelsea got 10th the year before they won the league. These things happen, right? These dips these dips take place. I think Levy is still is, – is very well aware of the fact that he's still reeling from the decision that he made to sack Pochettino, pull the trigger there, and, and now he's he's been trying to just patch a hole in the ship. And honestly – just swallow your pride, take your loss, and just go back to where we were along that path, right? That that I, I don't I don't think there's very many people who don't feel like that's a better option than sticking with Conte at this point. Well, I will say Scott Stradamus was in the club. Uh, not, you did you did you were the one that said that Spurs were gonna fire Jose when they did and they were going going to or excuse me, we we're gonna fire Pochettino and hire Jose. 
uh, when they did, and and literally like two days later they did it. Uh, the uh, night before. Well, it, we woke so the up night before, yeah, and yeah. and 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 you also predicted that uh, what the Italy would win the Euros and and yeah. Argentina would win the World Cup. Like your your I predictions did. have been, uh, God, hold on. I've had any <coughs> this. this is this is hard for me to say. Right, he's like yeah. the octopus <laughs> with the World Cup predictions. He's our own little <laughs> oh, octopus. <God. laughs> yeah. Something like that. Uh, uh, look, man, we'll see. I, like I said, I would just be, I would be surprised, especially just like I said. I think the club, I'm not saying the club has heart, uh, but I think it would be really, really wild for them to, to cut ties with this guy with the year that he's had. I know that it's a business and I know that, I don't know. Man, you, just, you could also see it as an act of mercy. You could, yes. It, I'm just and, saying. Honestly, <laughs> and honestly, if it happens, that is what it will be. It will be a mutual parting of ways. Yes, it's not thank be, you. It's not going to be Spurs don't want this guy here anymore. It's going to be, look, we realize that this isn't really working. And Conte, you know, wants to go back home to Italy and spend some time with his family and get his, not get his life back together. The guy's got a fine life, but he's just been through a lot of, of tumult this, in this past year. Um, and yeah, I do think it would be, you know, a mutual thing. But honestly, there's so much, again, don't go on the internet. But there's so much on the internet today about, well, Pochettino will be back soon, so none of this really matters. And I'm, I don't think that will happen when – I honestly oh, have yeah. not been on Twitter today. No, there's a lot of um, how can you not remember like what this felt like and a lot of Pochettino crying at, in Amsterdam videos and a lot of uh, – just a lot of that stuff going on. And I get it. I do. I just – I'm not – I don't know, man. Everybody's waiting for the for the other shoe to drop, and I just I'm not 100 percent have to. I will say this: if it happens this week, it'll be fucking wild that the first Spurs game I get to attend in person will be the return of Mauricio Pochettino. That would be hey. insane to me, dude. That would be so so happy. I might just spontaneously combust. I want well, that for you. <laughs> but here's the thing: this is why I will like kind of predict tonight is that. It's reported that Conte would fly back tomorrow morning from Italy, right? And so right. if I'm Levy, I'm picking up the phone right now and I'm calling him. And honestly, I we we talk about like empathy towards Conte. If if I was employed by anyone and I had a health concern and some deaths around me and I was really going through it and I was struggling at work, um, underperforming a little bit, right? You could say, I go home, I'm relaxing. Um I hope my employer would have a conversation with me. Like, do you really want to come back? It's okay. If you don't, you know, like if you're happy at home right now, if it feels good to be back in Italy, like it's okay. You know, we won't think less of you, blah, blah, blah. So I assume that conversation's happening or has happened. Right. And that's why I say it wouldn't be that weird if it happened tonight, that gives you Sunday, Monday, Tuesday with, Con with Poch. And honestly, we know Poch and Levy are buddies. There's no way they're not talking constantly. Like I'm sure conversations happen all the time. Like, you know, would you ever think about coming back? Blah, blah, blah. Right. We know those are happening. It can be easily teed up. But the, the first thing that happens, right, is Poch sits down with Kane and says, what do we want to do Wednesday? You know, talk to me. Like, talk to me about the squad. Talk to me about Hoybier. Talk to me about, yeah. you know, what's going on and what do we want to do? And I'm fucking so ready for that, dude. Like, that is so much better than what we're doing right now on the field. There's, And again, that's me just saying some fucking things on the podcast. But like, I don't know. I don't have any faith in our tactics and I have a lot more faith in Potts and Kane sitting down and putting their heads together. I will, uh, I'll wrap it up with this. Christian Cellini after the match does say, uh, that Antonio Conte's return will quote, be a massive boost for us from tomorrow until the end of the season. It's important to have Antonio back. We want to have him back with a different result, but the team uh, is, is here to show that, uh, Antonio, that it is alive. Um, we'll see. It's on life oh, support, answer. I would say. It, yeah, it is. It just, you know, we'll see. We'll we'll see what comes about. But uh, this this podcast hopefully will not be dated by the time it goes up, um, and you are listening to it in your pretty little ears. Uh, we are going to have, as I've mentioned previous, a lot of content coming this week. Uh, heading out to London, we'll be on the ground. We will. Uh, Dakota and I will be at the Champions League game on Wednesday. And then uh, me, Dakota, Todd, I, I, maybe Shuban. We'll see. We're going to be at the Forest game next Saturday as well. So we will uh, we will have a podcast uh, either Wednesday night or 
Thursday morning London time uh, with Dakota and I recapping. It, it, it kind of, I think it's going to depend on how long the celebrations or uh, or sorrows go Wednesday night. Um, uh, recapping the Champions League game and our experience there. Hope to talk to a lot of you listeners on the ground who uh, who may be getting out to that one. And then uh, next weekend we will have another pod. Uh, I'll be I'll be back stateside by the time we pod uh, Sunday after the Forest game on Saturday, and we'll also get to talk. Uh, a little bit about the what the women's team is up to because uh, we're recording this one before they play this weekend. Uh, we'll we could get get a recap on on what they've been up to and trying to move their way up the table as well, uh, and avoid that that dreaded uh, last place relegation spot, which they are still above. But um, we, we we need a, we need a little bit more points on that end too to to make that a, a certainty for the rest of the season. So uh, reach out to us at Tottenham Depot. Uh, until next, uh, or until midweek, rather, not next week. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna come at you uh, thick and fast with lots of content. This has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs! Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club, and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener what really makes this happen supporters make this club and you the listener are what make this podcast possible be sure to follow us on twitter at tottenham depot and as always come on you spurs